Brands on Brands. Hey, this is Jasmine Starr, photographer and business strategist and founder of Social Curator. If you want to build a brand on gritty authenticity, being vulnerable and showing up exactly who you are, you should be listening to Brands on Brands on Brands with my good friend, Brandon Bergmeier. In a world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, 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 what's up, everyone? It's Brands on Brands on Brands, and I am your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Thanks for tuning in today. And it's one of those interview episodes, y'all, and I am excited, excited to share with you our guest today, Jasmine Starr. Before I get into that, if this is your first time listening to Brands on Brands, go to brandsonbrands.com and check out our library of resources, our shows, and our uh, episodes of the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed so you get notified every week of what's going on. And I do appreciate you guys tuning in. Today's guest, guys, it's going to be a masterclass on personal branding. Uh, that's what this season's really about. And Jasmine is the perfect uh, example of a personal brand. Jasmine Starr, let me give you a little bit of background. She is a photographer and business strategist from Newport Beach, California, fellow Californian here. She dropped out of law school and became an internationally recognized entrepreneur, that later on founding a company called Social Curator. Also, what that company does, it's a social media marketing membership for business owners. Uh, she founded that uh, and also takes time each day to empower entrepreneurs to build their brand, to market on social media and create the life they love. And what do I mean? I mean, if you find her on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok even, you're going to see her giving tips. Here's how to take better pictures. Here's how to create engaging social media. Here's how to put your business on these platforms, how to build a brand leveraging the power of social media. She's out there sharing content all the time. She's speaking on stages and keynoting and has built so much to help creators and personal brands out there build their business and brand online. So check out the interview today. We talk a little bit about that and also about just for people who are starting personal branding, we really get into like, what are some of the steps you can take? What are some of the roadblocks you're going to encounter? What are some of the things you need to do to take you from getting started to being gone and get, and have gotten going already? So a lot there, but if you guys are ready to hear one of the, the truly inspiring people who've taken this seriously, have gone from, from not being known to being out there and known and recognized as a leader in their field, today is a masterclass on that. So again, interview with Jasmine Starr, check it out. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. I'm excited, everyone, to welcome our guest today, Jasmine Starr, to the show. Jasmine, thank you first and foremost for being here. Well, thank you for having me. We're talking about things that I absolutely love, so it's going to be a party. Yeah, we have that in common. The reason I'm excited, why I want everyone to be listening today is we get to talk about my favorite marketing topic right now, which is personal branding. And from my perspective, I've worked corporate jobs for 18 years at ad agencies. So I understand what it means to like have a resume, but not a reputation outside of that. 
Ooh, but I want to hear wait, from Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let's hold on. You're about to drop that mic. People have a resume and not a reputation. Yeah. Just I think that's the podcast. Somewhere in there is the podcast episode title. That's real rich. Okay. Let's go on. I had to pause and just clap that moment up. Well, it's the, it's my reason for this whole show, right? It's the mission behind it. It's like, let's get more people doing that. But I want to talk to people like you who've done that. Not, but let's start like top level first. Like before we get into like very specific tactical things, let's take a step back and say, okay, like personal branding, it's kind of a buzzword, but like, what is the value of building the brand of you? What And why does that matter? When people are excited about a business, they will buy when they want. When people are excited about a person, they will buy to support. And support is endless. And I think that that clear distinction and the best, most powerful mechanisms are when people buy a brand business and a personal business as one. Then you are just like a tsunami. Yeah, you've, I've heard and I've listened to some of the, your work and other, and other talks and things like that. You've described yourself as something about the art versus the art, like the artist. Oh, yeah. And focusing on the, the artist and not the art. What, like, can you explain that a little bit to me? Because I want to understand, like, if I'm selling a product or I'm selling me, how do you distinguish between the two? What's effective? How, what's the difference? Well, first, I don't want to pontificate. I don't want to sound like Aristotle. I, want to, I don't want to act like this is like the PhD of business. Sure. Like, so let's just strip this down and look at our human behavior. And our human behavior is that oftentimes as consumers, we are buying highly educated products with no idea of what goes into them, right? If I buy a car, it is a highly sophisticated product that I have known nothing about. I just need to turn it on. And the same way is that when somebody is investing in a photographer, they're not buying just the photographs, they're investing in the photographer. And the same way that you buy an art piece, it's not just the art piece, it's the artist. And you're not just buying a course, you're buying it as a result of the course creator. So there's always this thing and this force behind it. So it's so important for us to extract the importance that yes, what we create is very important, but the story, the how and who we are behind that is as much, if not more important than the thing that we're putting out. And I have to tell you, that statement is polarizing. It really pisses a lot of people off because there are people who are like, no, no, you don't get it. You see, Jasmine, I am the best photographer. I am the best graphic designer. And you have never tasted a better cake than I have because I trained at Le Cordon Bleu and, and I had a patisserie class in France. What you don't get, Jasmine, is I am the best. And I always hold up a mirror and I say, take a good look at this. Because the truth of the matter is you are not the judge and jury of what is good. The market is. And so if you are upset that somebody else who sells the same thing that you sell, but cheaper, worse in quality and takes longer to turn around, and yet that other business person is more successful, it's because they have mastered the art of brand. That is it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like if you had to choose between, between being the best at something or being someone's favorite, you'd choose favorite every time. Hands down. Every single day and twice on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's if, if more businesses thought like that, I think there'd be more you know successful businesses. Like, how do I become someone's favorite? Well, here's the thing, Brandon. One thing that I always just want to like lean in real hard. I don't want to be liked. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be liked. I want to say, I want to serve you. There has been psychological studies when people often think, studies have shown that when you meet somebody for the first time, you walk away thinking favorably of that person if you spoke more than they did. So- 
When you say you would rather be liked than be the best, well, between the two, yes. But when I talk about being liked, it isn't liked because I need satisfaction. I wasn't hugged as a child. It's simply because I want to serve in a way that somebody walks away and says, I got what I want in the way that I want it. And I happen to like that person too. Yeah, no, I love that. I One of my, one of my like, uh, favorite people out there in the marketing space is Mark Schaefer. And he described something as, uh, as it being, you know, if you didn't wanted to build a business that matters and that people keep coming back to that, that that's loyal. Uh, the only factor that contributes to that is that you've created a shared meaningful experience is that as how he describes it. And I think you tap into that a lot. I think I've heard you talk about creating experiences, but I want to hear from you. Like, how do you think about that when you're designing a product or a course or an you know, something uh, interaction with with people that you'd want to work with. How do you design them in ways that like are engaging? I mean, if I could easily answer that question, I'd probably be able to sell it on a plaque for a million bucks. Right. But but growing up, there was I am I'm Latina. Growing up, there was this movie called Water for Chocolate, and the whole premise is how there is a, a cook. And the emotions that she puts into the food are the emotions that people experience when they eat it. So she's there and she's making, I think she, I think if she's making chili rellenos and she's crying or she's making a cake and she's crying into it. And then all of a sudden it, everybody starts eating it and then they start crying because like we feel her emotion. It's very, very, very dramatic as typical Latino movies are. But I can't help but feel like as business owners, when you pour your guts into the thing, the consumer feels it. And so when you come about creating an experience, it is when if somebody were saying, I'm just creating a course or I'm just creating an ebook, but the way that you care about what it is that you do, that is an experience in and of itself. If somebody were to have a follow-up question in relation to the ebook or the course or your website design or your coaching and you follow up in a timely manner, that is an experience. When somebody sends you a direct message on any social platform and you take the time to return the dignity with a response, that is an experience. An experience is simply what somebody will say about you when you walk out of the room. Oftentimes people say, I don't have money. I don't have time. I don't have education. I don't have connections. Therefore, I cannot create an experience. And I'm like, oftentimes an experience is created for nothing, but will you actually look in that way and treat it with respect that it deserves? Yeah, yeah. I think for me that, you know, and like a little transparency to the, the people listening, like Jasmine, someone I've been trying, like, I'm like, I, one day I will interview Jasmine. I'm looking forward to interviewing Jasmine. So I, and I'm happy that this has happened today just because I respect your work and what you've done for your personal brand. And so for me personally, you know, even coming up with, with like, what should we talk about today? I think getting into like the idea of like when people are building personal brands, basically when they're building their reputations for something, one of the things you have to figure out is like, a, how do I find my my thing, right? That's a that's a difficult thing for people to figure out. Like, what am I? I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what my purpose is. So I think what I want to get a little bit into is either a how how have you found that, or how have you helped people figure out like how to tap into their thing, or how to help people start steering towards that. Uh, and then I want to get into the idea of like why is it so difficult. But let's let's table that for a second and get into the idea of like how do people find that thing that seems to be their thing. So. Stephen King wrote a book called On Writing, and it simply documents his journey. And it's a somewhat autobiographical and somewhat educational in some ways. And I'm not a writer, I'm not an author, but I found it fascinating. And one of the things that he had said was the act of discipline. So far before Stephen King was Stephen King, he was a nobody, but he knew that he liked to write. And so if you're somebody and you like to do something, I don't care if it's video games, I don't care if it's walking dogs, I don't care if it's watercolor, right? 
author, Stephen King, and he said that if he practices with consistency, that if nothing else comes of it, he will become better at his craft. Right. And so in like way, he would wake up at four o'clock in the morning and he would write for an hour. He would set a timer, take off his shoes and sit in front of a typewriter and he would write for an hour every single day, every single day. And this is if you like softball and you go to the batting cage every single day. And if you really want a six pack and you're 100 pounds overweight, how do you get the results? Every single day. We make an active decision to apply discipline and not apply discipline. It is an active decision. So when we talk about like, how do I find what I am passionate about? Stephen Pressfield in his book, Do the Work, he often writes that muses, he calls them muses, muses will visit in the act of creation, not when you're struck by inspiration, because inspiration comes in the act of doing. And so if people are like, I don't know what I'm passionate about, my advice is make a list of what you like to do, truly, and then start doing. And then you're going to see over time, like, let's say you come up with a list, you're like, I really like seven things. Great. Start doing those seven things. And then a month later, if you've practiced them consistently, here and there and there and there, a few are going to rise to the top. And maybe it's like, well, these three things I really like. Great. For the next month, do just those three things in any excess time you have. So you're going to cut out Netflix. You're going to cut out random chewing the fat on Friday nights. You're going to cut out happy hour twice a week. You're going to take whatever time you have and practice those three things. And over time, you're going to see one rise to the top. And guess what? You're still going to suck. And it's still going to be terrible. And there's not going to be a business there. And people are going to be like, why are you wasting that time with crochet? And to which you will reply, I am trying to find what I'm passionate about. And it is only until you crochet, you walk 8,000 dogs, you write 10 million words, and you make three movies in a matter of months. That is only when you will be able to start having ideation around monetization, not any time sooner. Yeah, I believe that. I think that for me, the idea that even if you aren't, if you don't know which thing to choose to do first, if you maybe take the the risk of using your voice, whether it's writing or recording like we're doing here or recording something with video, I think if you had to talk about something every day or every week, you might find that there are some themes and the things you talk about that you talk about them because you're interested in or you're curious about them or you're passionate about them. And if you just talk about different things over time, I think if you use your voice every day, you will find the things that you want to talk about and you will find your voice. And I think to your point, like uh, Marie Forleo, I love the way she says it. She says, uh, it's not by, uh, it's not in like thinking that you find clarity. It's, it's through doing, it's through action. She says it more eloquently than I do. Uh, and I think that that's true. I think you have to be in the middle of doing things to feel that creativity that you're talking about. That really resonates. Mm-hmm. I think um, the same and slightly different is Marie's quote is action is the antidote to fear. Yes. And oftentimes we are fearful. So then we don't do. But one of the things that I found pretty intriguing, if I can tap here for a second, is you said that oftentimes when you talk about stuff that you like, you start knowing you start talking and it comes easy to you and you find it invigorating. But one thing that's ancillary to that is that the more you talk about it, the more you will find a small group of people who are interested in your topic and they will uh, follow up with questions or ask for your opinion on something else. And so content ignites content, but how we must be patient throughout the process of creating content where we're finding our voice. Like people are saying, but Jasmine, I've done it for four months and nobody's talking back. And I'm like, but you don't actually know what you're saying quite yet. 
That's like, a, that is truly like my daughter. She's going to be one next week. And all of a sudden, if she starts walking and she's like, but mom, I can't run the New York marathon. Well, of course not. You haven't taken a few steps. Like, so when we create content, it is the same thing to give ourselves patience, to give ourselves grace, and then do it again and again and again. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think if, if we had to give something like that's still too vague for me, I'm like the, if you could at least choose the the vicinity, like choose a category, a topic category, like look through iTunes and be like, these are the subjects. It's business or health or wellness or finance. Like choose a, a cat or gaming, like choose one category and just talk about things in that general category so that you're not just literally all over the place. And then try a different category if that didn't work for you. I like that. I like that. At first I was like, iTunes. And then going? I got, and then I got like the segmentation and I'm like, yo, like Steve Jobs and his disciples, like they knew what they were doing. And so to come up with those categories, they did the heavy lifting. So to choose from that, I think is brilliant. I love it. I love yeah, it. I, if you can get in the ballpark, I think you, you'll find yeah. your way, but I'm going to ask you, cause it, it is difficult. I want to admit to people, like it's hard to take that step to figuring out what are you all about? What if I? What do I want to be known for? Like those kinds of things are big questions. But what do you think keeps people from starting and taking that step? Asking those big questions. Like you're out here, you don't even know what you want to do with your life and you want to ask yourself, what do I want to be known for? Like, come on, come on. What is like squeezing water from a rock? What first and foremost is um, Elizabeth Gilbert, She's an author. And she says that the travesty that so many times that creatives, and I'm going to pause here because I believe business owners are creatives. They might not classify them as self, but let me just tell you, having a business is nothing but sheer and utter determination and creativity. That is what it is. And so she's going back to one of her quotes as she says that one of the travesties that she sees creatives do is to try to monetize their creativity too early in the process. And so we come to expect that we should be making something that gives us joy. And it's like, when did this happen? It was a recent like advent of like, now that there's social media here, let me put that out. And why am I not making money in this? Wait, since when was that a thing? It is okay to have a job and have something on the side that brings you passion. And if over time there's a possibility of monetization, great. But you're expecting to find your life purpose, find something that makes you happy, find the thing that's going to take you out of your job. And I'm like, you're putting a lot of pressure on a tiny little kernel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the uh, the pressure, I think for a lot of people, it's it's... It's, I think it's this counterbalance between figuring out that you should be doing more than you're currently doing versus feeling comfortable. Like I'm, I think the biggest catalyst for me, like I, I don't want to take risks. Like I'm happy. I don't want to rock the boat, but then you have this like fear. That's like, I might can go 20 more years like this and never figured out that there was this other thing that I really wanted to do. They really wanted to share with people. I think you have to somehow have that fear behind you be stronger than the fear ahead of you or whatever, whatever it might be Absolutely. to get you there. I think it would help people if we can dive a little bit more into your personal story to hear how you might've done this for you so they could apply those to maybe their lives. So if we had to dive into like, how did you find what you were passionate about and take those steps to building your reputation and your brand? Oh, it's good. Cause I feel like you're keeping my feet to the fire right now. Cause if I, if I was here talking to you about in theory and I was being philosophical about how people should pursue it, and then I didn't do the very thing I'm about to get called out, but I did because I literally practice what I preach. I dropped out of law school when my mom had a relapse of brain cancer. It was my first year in. It was a really difficult and dark time in my life. And I realized that I was 25 years old and my mother was 50. And I felt like I had a midlife crisis because the doctors didn't anticipate her life to carry on. And so I was forced to reconcile, number one, the idea of losing my mother and the idea of living a life that's like 
half state? What do I want to do with the remaining 25 years of my life? These were the questions that were going through my mind. And uh, I dropped out of law school. I moved back home. I didn't have a job and I didn't have money. And so my dad is a pastor in East Los Angeles. And I started working at the church three days a week, trying to figure out what it was. And I decided to say, what would it look like for me to pursue this wild, crazy idea of becoming a photographer? I didn't own a camera. So for anybody who I told this story to back then, saying that is crazy. It was ridiculous and it didn't make sense. But just like we're talking here in this conversation, I said, I think I love photography. Why don't I try to do it? Huh, no pressure. But I am in this like kind of like dead end part time job with I mean, hey, I love my daddy, but it wasn't like my career. I dropped out of law school and I had a full scholarship and I'm like, okay, I have three years to go back and get it. What would it look like to take a risk on something that Christmas? My husband bought me a very, very simple digital camera. And I was like, okay. Now we're off to the races. I didn't start by saying, is this my purpose? I didn't start by saying, I'm going to build a seven-figure business. I didn't start by saying, what does this mean? And how do I want to leave a mark on the industry? I'm like, I want to take photos. And that's what I did. I shot anybody and everybody who would let me. And when people did not let me because they felt it was a waste of time, and justly so, here I am a novice not knowing what the heck I'm doing. And even though Y'all, my dad is a pastor and I was asking people at church to take their photos for free and then they say no. It's like, you gotta be real bad. Like y'all are ungodly to not let me practice on you. Uh, so I would go into my backyard and I there was a, my husband and I lived in this like tiny little apartment, but there was an orange tree in this backyard. And I noticed that when the sun was at 12 o'clock, it hit the orange different. And when it was at three o'clock, it hit the orange different. So I had to practice lighting. And so I was practicing lighting and photography on inanimate objects. And then I decided, I'm like, well, I have no money. I have no website. I have no resources. And what I didn't know then that I know now is that I have a, I have a unique ability to create an experience. Here's how the, cre the creation of the experience existed. I was like, there's these crazy things called blogs. You could just go on and get a blog. So I got a blog and I just started writing and I'd be posting pictures of the orange tree. I'd be posting pictures about a lens that I rented. I'd be telling a story about my husband and I celebrating our first wedding anniversary. And crazy enough, guess what? Nobody was looking at my images being like, this girl's gonna be a future award winner. But they kind of liked that I was sharing what I was learning. And then people were saying, I'm gonna practice with my camera. And then all of a sudden, the content that I shared and the learnings that I shared created a group of people who wanted to hear more from me. That's it. And with every iteration of my business, from working with clients to art directors to magazine editors to creating online courses to creating a subscription to creating a SaaS company to being voted three years after I picked up my camera as one of the top photographers in the world, every single thing was on the back of what? not being the best, but serving people more than I possibly could. Well, it's, it's funny is what I, what I hear at the beginning of the story, I'm like, well, yeah, if you, if you tried to plan this, like if, if you didn't just do it, but you like tried to strategize this, you would not have chosen photography. That would have been like the, the hardest choice. <laughs> like, absolutely. You choose this thing that literally anyone can do that's super competitive and that the yes. professionals have these crazy gear and it's, you wouldn't have chose that. No, it's a highly saturated market. And remember, like this is the advent as I'm trying to build up a very successful business, phones are added to cameras. Right. And so anybody with the phone is a photographer. And truly, you have companies like Apple taking photos that people took on their phone and making them into billboards. Truly, 
everyone's a photographer. I like chose a profession. It's like everybody who holds a knife, boom, you're a chef. You know, it's like a saturated market. But hey, this is why I'm like, if it works in this industry, anybody who's listening, it will work in yours. Yeah. And I think that the reason that people need to hear that is because if you don't overthink it, number one, but number two, I think once you start to figure out that realm of like that world you want to live in, I'm sure at some point you had, you started like, to make some money or do, you know, actually this turned into something else, but I want to figure out like at some point you had to start thinking about a, like, how do I help people enough that they want to tell other people about me, but then be like, what do they say? Like, how did you find your corner in that market so that you, you know, they call it positioning, but how did you find your little corner that was like, it was starting to work for you and not just, you know, like struggling to eat, take in free pictures for three years, you know, that kind of thing. So we'll go back and tap on what Elizabeth Gilbert said. And that was not to monetize the passion like early on, like, yes, I wanted it to be a job and I wanted it to be a career. But fortunately, I wasn't making very much money working part time at my dad's church, but it was a source of income. And my husband at the time was with a startup company and it was only sale. He was only getting a commission off sales. So it was super sketchy for us on paying our bills. But I had um, started working for other photographers, oftentimes very free. Like if you could be very free, I was very free. I was like driving two hours to a shoot, working eight hours for free, driving back home and turning over all the images. So that's very free. I did that for over a year. And so I started understanding um, the behind the scenes of what it would take to get a business. And then over time, after a result, after I would probably say like a year and a half of constantly putting out content and sharing personal things about my life and my business and growing that... I had somebody reach out as a result of a blog post and say, hey, like, I'm going to be getting married. Do you want to shoot my wedding? And they're like, how much do you charge? And my question as a true business owner was, how much do you have? And she responded with $1,000. And I was like, funny, that's what I charge. I probably would have shot the wedding for like 100 bucks. I was like, somebody wants to actually hire me. So this goes into like, you know, something that we need to talk about, like secondarily is like when you just start out, take whatever you can. Don't be precious about it. Like you don't have a line out down the block for your product or service. Take what you can in the beginning because a portfolio is worth more than a bank account the first three years in your business. So I took I took the gig and lucky for me, she had 14, truly 14 bridesmaids all within that marry, um, age and marrying range. And this was around like uh, early Facebook and MySpace. So they started sharing the images on social and that was when my eyes were open because they started sending a bunch of traffic back to my blog. And slowly but surely, I started to increase my prices and I just made up a rule. And I said, for every three gigs I book, I'm raising my prices $300. And that worked for me very well throughout the first two years of my business. And that when I had saved as much as I would have made a year working in my business. I mean, sorry, sorry, it's a part-time job. When I had saved up as a result of photography, what I would have made a year working part-time, that's when I knew it was I was ready to go because I had a buffer. Yeah. You know, what's coming to mind is I, I found you, I discovered you uh, at a marketing conference, you know, as a, as a keynote speaker at, at Social Media Marketing World. And what, what I'm curious about is you could have just stayed in this world of being the technician, being the person who's creating and, and doing the work of photography and while telling your story uh, and that was working, what made you switch to this other side of like also coaching and speaking and that side of it? Market. It's truly, it's like you just set this conversation up for us to go back when we talked about how, how the market dictates. You could think you're amazing and precious and beautiful, but the market is the one who's right. 
And I was sharing content and then photographers started asking technical questions. And then when I started getting awards for my work and getting notoriety and getting featured on media outlets, they were like, okay, but what about the business part? So I realized I'm like, maybe I have a knack for business. And then other people in creative fields, uh, videographers, graphic designers, actresses, people who were still in that kind of like photo art world were saying, well, if it works for a photographer, would it work for me? And my, I'm going to be honest, my first thought was, no, I only talk to photographers because I only know their language and their world. Imposter syndrome set in. Who am I to do this? It's already been done before. I'm not qualified. Somebody smarter, richer, better, prettier. And then I realized, well, what would I look like if I go back to like humble pie and said, uh, how much do you have to chat for an hour? And people are like, oh, I have a hundred bucks. I'm like, okay. PayPal me a hundred bucks. And then all of a sudden I start talking to people about building a business and that's in the process of doing, that's when I realized, oh, I am teaching principles that apply to business period, not business for photographers. And once I did that, I started expanding offerings and speaking at different places and did the work, hit the road, spoke for free for like three years before I ever got a paid speaking gig. And now it's a serious source of revenue in my business. Wow, that's amazing. And I, I think a lot of people could, you know, if they could follow that path, they would. But there's still some things I think that they're going to like, well, I, I don't know what I would do here. So I'm sure there are some mentors that came into your life. There's some things you had to learn along the way to continue to, to level up your business. But I want to figure out, like, wh- what are some of the things that you saw as turning points where you said, you know what, like, I'm making money doing this. I know that's probably the first one. Like, I'm already making money doing this, but now things are starting to change. Was there like, was it noticeable or did it just kind of happen over time? I believe that it happens over time. You know, um, for so many years, I wasted so much energy wishing that I had a mentor and like wondering, like, what would my life look like or be? And then the internet democratized everything. The internet took the country club and turned it inside out and cut it into pieces and put glitter and confetti and had a party. It was like, it was like a, a Brooklyn street party. That's what the internet is. And so you can choose to stand on the outside and say, no, I won't dance salsa in the street. I won't flicker my hands in the fire hydrant. I won't be picking out that rum punch. You could choose to say that, but the only person who's stopping you from getting everything you want is you because the internet broke the gates down. Everything you want to learn, every mentor you want to have, follow them on social, read their websites, read their blogs. They're sharing everything they know. You have no excuse not to learn the thing that you want to do. I am a product of the University of Google. I am the product of reading every piece of content Gary Vaynerchuk has put out. I am a content, I'm a piece of content, Reed Hoffman and his podcast sharing what it's like to scale a business. I am a product of the hood, taking whatever you have to make it work. If it's not working for you, it's because you haven't gotten free information on the internet. And I have decided to pay it forward for every person I have ever learned from. I put out content in homage and in honor of giving back what it was given to me. Yeah, I love that. I did see that when you got, you had a chance to talk to Gary about your business. How did you make that happen? What was the, you know, was it pay to play? I love this story. I love this story because, okay, so when I say I creep on people, like I always tell my husband, you never want to, that you never want you. Let me just tell you, I'm a professional creeper. I I know how to hound people. So big fan of Gary Vee. And I know he's not for everybody. I just, I found a book in an airport, started reading it. And I was like, I think I like what you do. And anyway, right when Instagram Live started coming out. So this is about two years ago. Instagram Live was popping. Gary was one of the first early adopters. I jumped on right immediately because I knew I'm like, ah, I got the gift of gab. I can hop right in. 
So uh, he had said, hey, join us in a business meeting. And he turned on his phone and he just left it on a desk. And there were about five guys in the room, one of them being D-Rock and then one of them being an assistant by the name of Tyler. And they're talking and I scream to my husband upstairs and I'm like, I'm in a business meeting with Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay, so when we talk about finding mentors on the internet, this is what I'm talking about. I got access to New York City, 10 Hudson Yards with his tchotchke wall in the background. And I'm like, how is this freaking real life? And so they're talking about launching the um, Clouds and Dirt, his brand new shoe line collaboration K-Swiss. So you remember, like, this is back in the day. It's just about to drop. And he's like, how are we going to promote it? I sat in a freaking business meeting with Gary Vaynerchuk and his marketing team talking about the strategy that they're going to do to do bulk orders. And I'm like, what in the heck is happening right now? One of the things that they threw as mud on the wall is the more shoes you bulk buy, the more time of Gary you'll get. And so one of the things that were proposed of buying a 35 pairs of shoes, and then you got two minutes on an Instagram live with Gary. Okay. So I'm like, I talked to my husband. I'm like, I'm gonna buy the shoes. And he's like, what are you going to do with 35 pairs of shoes? And I'm like, I'm going to donate them to a boys entrepreneur club in Los Angeles for people who can't afford, you know, they're just in a different time and space. My husband's like, great, let's do it. We buy the shoes. I set up a time with Tyler his assistant to go live on Instagram. I bring a videographer. I have a ring light. I'm feeling myself. I curl my hair. I put on fake lashes. I was like, I'm going to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was like, are you ready? Are you ready? I was sweating. Okay. So then all of a sudden we go live and he keeps on saying, I'm waiting for Jasmine to come on Jasmine star. And I'm like, I'm here. And I'm like, I'm here. And I keep on pressing. Like I'm here. I'm here. And then Tyler is texting me and be like, where are you? I'm like, I'm here. And people are telling Gary, Gary, she's here. She's leaving comments. So then I get off, I get back on, I get off and get back on. And he's just waiting. And that's not, you don't waste Gary's time. He's like, okay, we're gonna have to try this again. Or no, he said, I'm so sorry. It didn't work out. And so then I get off and I'm not going to lie. I think I have it on video. I think I got a little teary eyed. Yeah. I was like the girl who was waiting for the limo to pick her up to go to prom. Oh, no. That's how I felt. And the limo never came. And so I was sitting there. I was like, I'm just really sad. And I'm like, I'm disappointed. I'm like, why is this happening? So then they generously decide to reschedule. And then guess what? Same thing happens again. No. And I want to be angry and I want to be hurt. But guess what? Life works for you. Every stinking situation that Gary was just like, okay, this is too much. Clearly something's happening here. Uh, I said, I'm in LA. And he says, I'm going to be going to the Vayner offices in Los Angeles. Do you want to meet there for five minutes? I was like, okay, I just came up. So I drive to, uh, I drive to LA, take my videographer. And I have the opportunity to speak to Gary Vaynerchuk and he's so generous. I ended up getting like 12 minutes with the guy. I walk in, I have the opportunity to ask a business question. And then I also have the opportunity to tell him that the 35 pairs of shoes were donated to underprivileged boys in an entrepreneurial program in Los Angeles. And I said, as the daughter of an immigrant, my father came and we were always getting hand-me-downs. We only ever shopped at thrift stores. We only ever went to yard sales. I never had a new anything. And the first brand new pair of shoes that I ever received was when my father bought me a pair of white K-Swiss lace-ups. And the fact that I get to give 35 pairs of K-Swiss shoes to kids who are probably in a very similar situation meant the world to me. So to have that on video, to know that I invested and then to know that I got like honestly tenfold of what was actually slated was just a win. I can't just say enough good things about him. 
Yeah. It's amazing if you take the time to put yourself around people and figure, I think the stalking strategy works, by the way, all the time, every time. (laughs) I've heard so many people who, who have literally like, I just did what I could to put myself where they are, interact and be whatever it might be. It's it's honestly part of like my big strategies too. Like when I'm building the show and everything else, like the last the guy we were talking about, Mark Schaefer, I literally was like, I'm going to go to social media marketing world. I'm going to DM like the hundred of the 200 speakers and I'm going to show up. And now that I've DM them and I've been in their feeds and whatever, if I shake their hands, I can say, I saw I was on your feed and you talked about this and it starts to snowball and like it turns into one, you know, one thing turns into another. But if you go out of your way to, to be where those people are, like you let, you know, you're opening the doors to, to fate happening. Yes. So everyone I know that has found a way to get around people that they, they're heroes, it's because it didn't come to them. They like somehow chased it in some crazy way. And I love that you did that. As we're kind of coming to the back, the, the back end of here, the, of the show, I want to get some, some like tactical, because you're a creative genius. You're awesome. The marketing part, the media part. I want to give some people some tips here. I, I'm trying to, I want to leave it on your, your, your end here. Maybe some either creative tips or like the media tactical tips that someone's just getting started off. They're like, okay, steps one, two, three. If I had to have a sequence to follow to get started building my personal brand, uh, what would you like to lean into and discuss with us? Number one is consistency. And if anybody has ever heard a podcast with me, they're dang sick of that word, but I can't say it enough. Consistency is the only path to growth. I don't care if you have all of the hacks and all of the secrets. I don't care if you have a massive ad budget. True growth, organic growth, conscientious growth, engaging growth comes on the back of consistency all day, every day, no matter what digital marketing hack there is out there. So if you can't make the commitment to be consistent, then don't hold yourself accountable to not growing at the rate at which you aspire to. Number two is the minute you decide to be consistent, choose the parameters of your consistency. I'm not out here saying that you need to be posting on Instagram 10 times a day, but if you're going to be saying I'm going to be posting on Instagram every day, well then walk in integrity, post on Instagram every single day. So number one, it's consistency. And number two is defining your consistency. And number three is to give what you want to get. Oftentimes people say, but people aren't talking back to me. I'm not growing as fast as I want. Well, yes, but it's as if you built a house in the mountains and then you wonder why people aren't knocking on your door. They don't know you exist. How do people actually know that you exist? By going out in town, meeting people and say, I live up on the hill. That's what engagement is. By you going and leaving thoughtful comments on other people's posts, it says, who is John X? By you going and participating in somebody's poll and saying, I too like pizza instead of ice cream, as silly as it sounds, you're letting know they exist. But when somebody's going on vacation or reading a book or looking for a show on Netflix and you offer a very kind and thoughtful response about what your recommendation is, you build trust. You are giving what you ultimately want to get. So those three things, consistency, setting the parameters of your consistency, and then giving engagement. You must give tenfold. I truly, I call the 10X rule. 10 of whatever it is you want. You want 10 comments? Go and leave 100. You want 10 likes? Go and leave 100 likes. That is truly the foundation of social media. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to maybe dive in a weird way here. Uh, So you're being warned. Okay. I want to get into like, because I think consistency, when people who like have gotten there and they've succeeded, they look back and they're like, well, I was consistent. But someone who's been consistent, but hasn't seen the success, uh, maybe is just going to be told, well, just keep being consistent. But I like, let's get into the why. Like, why do you think consistency ends up being the secret ingredient that helps people? Like, what is it about consistency that is going to unlock that thing for people? I love this question so much. 
first and foremost, we must define what length of consistency people are expecting it. So when you say be consistent, I can have somebody say, I've been consistent a month. And then you have somebody say, I've been consistent five years. It's like, however you're defining it. And there isn't a golden rule, but the longer you're consistent, the more data, the more insights, the more feedback that you have to judge on and assess the quality of the content that you are producing. Because if you're sitting here and you're telling me that you have posted every single day for three years on any social platform, for the sake of this conversation, we'll use Instagram. You're sitting here for three years, every single day, rain or shine, hell or high water, you posted on Instagram and you didn't miss a day and you say, I haven't grown. That is when I will come back with a couple things. It could be the medium, the message, or the methodology. Perhaps visually, your photos just aren't captivating. Perhaps the message of what you're saying needs to be disseminated differently. And the methodology, perhaps have you, are you only doing photos? Maybe you go live. Maybe you do more stories. Maybe you do a reel. Maybe you curate helpful Instagram guides and you're known as the person for Instagram guides. Perhaps very, very closely. I mean, I just saw like an update for them releasing a feature that looks very close to Clubhouse. Perhaps audio is your jam and you could build out an audience there. You can't keep on doing the same thing. Like Albert Einstein said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If you've been posting consistently for six months and you've seen no growth and no engagement, let me just tell you, it's the message, the medium or the methodology. And then I don't want you changing all three of them at once because it's scientifically, you don't know the thing that was a factor. So you're just going to be testing first and foremost, adding a different type of tool on Instagram, like stories or IGTV or, or, or lives. So if all of a sudden you're still doing that and no one's engaging, great. Now let's focus on the message. If you change all of that and people are still engaging, then you're going to go for the methodology. So testing by way of consistency and iterating is going to be the thing that actually leads you to the success that people want. Yeah, I, I hope people pause and rewind and listen to some of the things that that, that came out there because what hit me hard is that like if you're sticking to this thing, and I have a heart for the people that are are in the trenches doing this day in and day out and are just trying to make this thing work. The the idea that the longer you're doing this, the more feedback you get, I think is huge. I hope people heard you say that mm -hmm. because there are so many things that are giving you inputs when you do it for that long. If you do it for a week, you might get one or two inputs. You do it for a year, like multiply that by 365 days. That, that's so much more data to work with, so much more feedback to work with that they could be adjusting and listening. That's the second thing. Maybe you're getting feedback and you're not listening. I heard you say that too. If you are actually listening to what is coming back to you, you want to adjust these things that you talked about. But if you haven't listened, then you don't know what to adjust. And then if you actually take that feedback and actually make adjustments, it's hard to not find something that's going to succeed for you because you have too much data telling you what will work. And you have data telling you what won't work. Exactly. Like, let's just say you have a post and you're getting like maybe three likes on average and maybe one comment a week. And then you start going live every day and then you get no likes and no comments. That piece of information is just as valuable. Knowing what doesn't work, great. It's a process of elimination. Maybe you should stay a little bit away from that and try something else. Positive and not so positive feedback are worth the same and they're worth their weight in gold. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I think I want to like leave with that because I think, there's a lot of fluffy statements like be consistent, but the, the, that little, that piece of it, that nugget of it, that like the why behind that, I think is huge is going to help a lot of people, but I'm good. I would be remiss. I will have people bothering me if they say you had the girl who creates the most amazing tips for creating content that is living on all media types. I know you like people think of you as Instagram, but you are literally everywhere. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook is huge. And now I've seen you on TikTok trying things, giving tips for things. 
and applying just the visual eye you have, you've applied it to all media. Can you give us whether like some of your favorite tips, you pick the medium, you pick the medium. Like I know TikTok's hot, but you pick whatever you want to pick. Give us some tips for like how to create things that people are going to like resonate with or just how to get out of your, your own mind and start creating better. Like give us some tips that you've given. I feel like, you know, this is like asking like, Jasmine, can you please take a sip from this fire hydrant, this broken fire hydrant? I want sprinkles to tease them so that they can go find your stuff because your content's out there. They can go find you. Give us a sprinkle. You know, if I if it boiled down to one thing and I look at all the platforms I'm on, everything from Pinterest, YouTube, Twitter, Snapchat back in the day, when I think about what this is, it's truly being real. And so often we jail ourselves from waving our weird flag, our awkward flag, our vulnerable flag, because we want to be a carbon copy of what we think people want us to be. And in doing that, you walk around in a half state. I would rather people not like me for me being 100% of who I am than me walking around at 50% of who I am and people still not like me. People are going to have an opinion about me and either way and twice on Sunday. So why not be me? And this is what I encourage people to be. Be okay with not everybody liking you. You are here to stand in your purpose. You're here to serve a small group of people extraordinarily well. And those people are going to be the people who tell their friends and their friends are going to tell their friends. And that is going to be how you grow your business, not on any other hack or on the back of a social platform. You show up real, you show up as yourself and you show up authentic in a place to serve on any social platform. And that's going to be how you grow. I don't think there's any advice that I could have gotten that would be more Jasmine than be real, be authentic. Cause it is true. It's how, it's how you come off to me every time. (laughs) I know you're not afraid to be yourself. Thank you. So I I love that. I love you sharing that. Thank you for coming on today. And, and because of how real you are, I will tell you, you are going to see me in the next year to whatever that opens up when you're having an event, you're speaking somewhere at some point, the stalker creepy suggestion that you made, (laughs) we will run into (laughs) each other. We will give a high five, a fist bump, a handshake, whatever it is, yes. I will find it to be around where you are because I think that you're 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 dropping knowledge and helping a lot of people out. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you very much. And uh, thanks for coming on the show today. And I think we're going to wrap it up with that. So appreciate you, and uh, we'll catch everyone next time. Thank you. Take care. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to brandsonbrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandsonbrands.com.